Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. Great to have all of you tune us in and turn us on. It is wonderful to be here with you. Uh, A shout out to Mr. Benny and to Jacob. How are you guys doing today? Howdy, Pat. Hey, how's it going? You know, I'll tell you how it's going. I did part one of the move over the weekend. Uh, Great help from a couple of my friends and Jacob and, and excuse me, Jason and Jessica, and boy, we put in a full day, packed a 15-foot truck, and uh, part one of the move went really, really well. And I got to tell you, uh, we're in the Pacific Northwest, right? April showers bring May flowers, and I'm thinking, thank you for not doing that last week. Yeah, right? I'm just like, I'll take 80 degrees any day, you know, other than trying to carry boxes and stuff in in the Pacific Northwest in the middle of rain. Well, as long as everything was properly labeled, Pat, I think you're good. It was. And not okay, only good. That, See, Benny, there you go. Well, you have Linda there, too. She's, you Linda know, and she's on top of it. And, yeah. mm-hmm. Oh, all but two boxes, all but two went to where they were supposed to go. Well, that's, that's good. A, that's a miracle. That's a miracle. Um, And so we had all women and then Jason. Uh, And we tried to tell him he was just one of the girls. Just trying to tell him that in the whole scheme of things. And boy, I'll tell you, when you put a group of friends together and you get them moving towards a common goal, there's nothing like it. It took us four hours, four and a half hours, I think, to load the truck and an hour and a half to unload it. So that and getting everybody burgers makes for a great day for those of you that are still eating meat. (laughs) So welcome. We've got a great show for you today. Um, And, you know, this is really important. I want to talk about this for a minute before we get going here. Uh, Benny, Jacob. I want to talk about what happens when along our life's journey, we come across either writings or pictures or symbols or meanings. And I was thinking about this a lot, Benny, and you know this better than anybody else. You know, when this beautiful opportunity came along for me 17 years ago, I really didn't know what I didn't know. I just was so excited to be talking with so many people about what they're doing to not just understand life in this lifetime, but what they're doing to understand life, period, and how to be of service in this life. And what I was really struck by over the weekend, and it's a little daunting for me, Benny, is that 
we're coming up on in, next year. We're coming up on 18 years. And you've been doing it. So happy, so full grown adult, reaching adulthood. Do I even say that you like next year? Like that's twenty years for you. Is is that correct? Uh, Around that, yeah. But I was looking at more of the like you know, adulthood and being no longer a child in the show moving forward and able to vote because that's important. It's so important. (laughs) It's so important. And you know what? What hit me over the weekend? I was getting ready for you know doing the show today with Dr. Rose Rosemary Anderson. Mm-hmm. Is it's so very fresh. It's even it's so very fresh. I'm even more excited about the shows we're doing now than I think I was back then. Um, and part of this is. Um, bringing back some of the old things we used to do. One of the most interesting things I have found is the requests that we are getting for crust busting. And I thought to myself, why is that? What is it about the messages that we're bringing forward? What is it that people want to hear more of? What is it that people are really looking at? And over and over and over again, and Benny, I think to both of you, Benny and Jacob, I think both of you will talk to the fact that in the past two to three weeks, we've talked more about the divine feminine in so many different ways. And I have to tell you, I do not think there is a mistake in any of that. But also, what have we learned? Uh, I'm very fortunate to be in a community of people that I understand different spiritual practices. I've learned about the Baha'i faith uh, from people in the Persian Iranian culture. I've learned about, you know, from my table tennis partner about the Hindu practices and, and beliefs. I've learned much about from my Asian friends about different practices. I've learned about the Tao, De Ching, and yet at the same time, I mispronounced them all, and yet the attraction has not changed. But today, today is a different invitation. Today, it's looking at a new translation and commentary. And the reason I'm excited about this is because I'm finding we're hungry for a new translation of some of these very ancient scriptures and documents and symbolisms you know we've done many shows now that have talked here in the past couple weeks about new translations new understandings about mary about so many others that represent divine feminine but today this is a new translation and i'm so thrilled rosemary Anderson is joining me here today. Dr. Rosemary Anderson is joining me here today for a lot of reasons, because you cannot step in and say, this is what I have. This is what I'm bringing forward without having a passion and a purpose for it. You know, she is co-founder of the Transpersonal Research Network and Sacred Science Circle. Um, You will find out much about her during the show uh, and much more. But this is about a fresh and refreshing interpretation, translation, and wisdom. Rosemary, it's great to have you here. Thank you. 
It's welcome. Thank you so much for uh, inviting me and I welcome all your guests and look forward to an exchange. I want to start out with this question. I, I don't have a real logical question. This is a sensing question. There is, and there has been for me for a while, this sense that it really is time for a new dialogue. And we're seeing it. We're seeing it in our pop culture. We're seeing the divine feminine show up in so many ways. And we're seeing it in blockbuster movies. We're seeing it in special features. We're just seeing it. And yet, the depth of it is not being brought to the surface, uh, except in a book like yours. Can I ask you this question? What is this pulling or this calling? What is this thing that's happening that longs for us to understand a new truth? Well, that's a wonderful question. Uh, you know, of course, I wish I knew <laughs> the answer to it. But um, my experience has been that many have been, people have been looking forward to new translations of the ancient texts, and particularly those that emphasize the feminine. And um, I began this translation with no expectations about what I would find at all. Uh, I know basic Chinese from my uh, experience living in Asia in the late 70s. So I can read it. I can't speak it, but I can read it. And, uh, I, and that was typical of the Chinese. The Chinese could um, dialogue with one another in ancient times and writing, even if they couldn't understand uh, each other when they were speaking in the same room. So this is a part of the Chinese genius about language and Chinese characters in calligraphy. So I could read um, basic Chinese and when I retired a few years ago, I just said, well, you know, I love this text and um, I can read basic Chinese and there are scholarly books now that allow me to understand the characters I don't know, don't can't read. So I just started to translate the Chinese text based on the manuscripts are that are now considered the oldest mm -hmm. and i started the translation just for fun yeah. for personal enjoyment that's it i had no expectation no where i was expecting to go and so i i had a great time it was basically what happened i kept on reading the chinese and translating it and learning and changing my own uh, understanding of many things and uh, as I went along, uh, about the second go-through of all 81 poem, poems, I started noticing that the divine feminine was appearing again and again in the Tao Te Ching text. But I had never seen that before in the translations in English that I had read. And that piqued my curiosity. And I think it'll pique the curiosity of many people nowadays because it speaks to what you were saying, uh, our searching, our trying to really understand uh, the divine and the feminine aspects of the divine. I think it's a calling that yeah. calls to a lot of us. 
I love the series of questions you asked or you asked at the beginning, but also just in general. And I want to go over them real quick, because when I started to read your book, I was I read I kind of had to go back and, you know, you here's here's kind of what you pointed to. And and yet I was surprised and not surprised. You know, this was a discovery for you. And the discovery, well, is that in in the poems, there's reference to it, right? It. There's a lot. We do a lot of itting, by the way, right? We do a lot of yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and you, you ask the question: How could so many translators not have noticed that? The Tao is constantly referred to as mother virgin womb of creation. And then you go on to ask, you ask this interesting question. You ask a really interesting question. Am I really the first to notice that the Tao is feminine throughout the poems? And I thought, whoa. And then I said, well, how? How was that missed? Dr. Anderson. Well, I you know I, I I don't know in a certain way again. Um, all I know is that's what has happened. I mean, there are probably hundreds of translations of the Tao Te Ching yes. out there in English, and and I have read yes. many of them, and in the poems, um, occasionally a translator will use mother. Um, occasionally, and particularly in the the um, the U.S. translations, actually, interestingly enough, and um, but as I went through the poems, it became, in, in you know, in the Chinese texts and China, translated the Chinese characters for myself, um, it became very clear that there is a consistent emphasis throughout all the poems on the feminine nature of the Tao. Uh, first of all, the Tao is referred to explicitly as mother five times in the 81 poems. That's a lot. That's a lot. Um, yeah. Twice as virgin and twice as womb of creation. And one time as father. So it's interesting. There are uh, different emphases. But consistent throughout the poems is the emphasis on the feminine and the mothering, tender, kind nature of creation, if you will. It's, mm-hmm. it's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. And I want to take a short break. And when we come back, you know, what I want to really point to before we get into more of the details of what you've done is I want to talk about the implications. And as we go through and we have this new translation now, how is the meaning influenced from that? Because I can only imagine, you know, when you look at things and I have heard different translations and the uh, Arabic versions of the Lord's Prayer and just so many other things, right, um, that a word change or a word changes something so deeply. When we come back, I want to talk about this amazing translation you've done and what some of the findings were where you said, 
oh, that really does say something different. Let's take a short break, everyone. The Divine Feminine, Tao Te Ching, Dr. Rosemary Anderson. When we come back, we're going to talk about what did Dr. Anderson find and what will we think of it? Stay tuned, everyone. We'll be right back. Are you ready to shift your current beliefs about death from debilitating pain and loss? Follow Angie Corbett Kuiper as she shares that through choice, present moment awareness, and keeping an open mind. Anything is possible, even in death. Tune in to Beyond Proof Radio with Angie, redefining death and loss every first Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. For more, visit BeyondProof.com. Are you ready to put down that drink or drug for good? Are you struggling to maintain your recovery from addictive behaviors? Do you need help with a family member or loved one who's in early recovery or battling addiction? Get the help and guidance you need by arranging a recovery recharged phone session with me, Ellen Stewart, Pushy Broad from the Bronx, Certified Life and Recovery Coach. Call 1-800-889-1757. Make an appointment today or go to my website, pushybroadfromthebronx.com and click on the link that says Recovery Recharged. Don't wait. Get the help you need today. This is Ellen Stewart, Pushy Broad from the Bronx on transformationtalkradio.com. Mind to Heart with me, Craig Richardson, carves a pathway from your mind to your heart to activate that innate compass to overcome whatever life sends your way. As an intuitive life coach, I am ready to guide you to an amazing life. Tune in live every second and fourth Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. For more information about me, visit CraigERichardson.com. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. Pat. Hey, are you loving Shades of Spirit Radio? Well, mark your calendars. Shades of Spirit goes live in a new time spot every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific time on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Yeah, you heard that right. Psychic medium genie and spirit walker Nicole. 5 p.m. every Wednesday. Live readings, giveaways, oracle cards, and lots of fun. So be there. Call into the show at 1-800-930-2819 and visit ShadesOfSpirit.com. It's time to shake out your money-making truth on Soul Wisdom Abundance with Jennifer Bloom, creating wealth from spiritual health on TransformationTalkRadio.com. This hit show is more than your roadmap to success. It's your compass to abundance through joy and ease. Jennifer Bloom teaches you about the soul's relationship to money and wealth and how improving that relationship serves both you and the world. Learn more at JenniferBloom.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. It's so great to have all of you tune us in and turn us on. I was just I was just uh, talking with Dr. Anderson during the break. And, you know, one of the things I was I was really I think I was aware of. Let me just say aware of was I've, I could go and Benny knows this, Jacob, uh, Jacob, too. I could go for six months and and never do a show on the divine feminine. And then all of a sudden these new messages are coming forward and and i mean really new new and different and this this is one of them 
this is the divine feminine, the Tao Te Ching, Dr. Rosemary, Rosemary Anderson. But this is what people call, what I would call, a new translation and commentary. And so the commentary today and the translation and maybe some reading will help us understand this, right? Because when we change, even as you're seeing new words and language are coming from scriptures now that are being translated, just a change in a word or a reference, it changes meaning profoundly. Um, Dr. Anderson, how do people find out about you? Let's do that. And then also, how do they get their own copy of this, this amazing book? Well, thank you. Uh, people uh, can contact me through my website, which is rosemarieanderson.com. That's it, rosemarieanderson.com. And there's a contact page. So I, people yeah. can and uh, contact me that way easily. Um, so, um, and the book is available from the publisher, of course, Inner Traditions Bear yeah. and Company yeah. on their website and also on Amazon. Uh, just, um, you know, type in my name on Amazon and uh, you'll see the Divine Feminine Tao Te Ching, along with my other books, yeah. mostly they're text textbooks. <laughs> yeah, I just want to make sure because we often make this mistake. Um, I have a... I have a cousin, Rosemary, not Rosemary. It's Rosemary, M-A-R-I-E, Dr. Uh, Rosemary Anderson. And this is Divine Feminine. I mean, this is a book and it's a beautiful cover. And I know Jacob has got stuff going on. I'm just going to hold it up there um, with images. Look, I love that each of us take this journey. I was talking to somebody earlier today and I was trying to explain to them that every show I do, and I've done a lot of shows. I mean, you heard Benny and I kind of kind of bantering. <laughs> Benny is actually the longest relationship I've ever had. Uh, and so <laughs> we kind of banter back and forth about it, you know, as we count years. But for me, it's like yesterday. And this is like when you do something you love and you're in that groove, groove time stops, stops. And I imagine that's what this was like for you. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you, how did the discoveries that you, how did the discoveries you made, Dr. Anderson, how did they, number one, change you? And mm -hmm. what I mean by that is clearly you made a discovery. And of course, whenever we make a discovery, we think they are the, we're the only ones. Our friends are like, oh my gosh, really? You're just finding that out. But how did it change you, this journey in the discovery of these things? And were you like on the edge of your seat waiting for the next discovery? <laughs> <laughs> How was that for you? Yeah, well, it was a lot of fun to start with. I had a great time. It took me two years to translate uh, the Tao Te Ching. And I did it very, very slowly. I'm a scholar. I'm a researcher. You know, I do yeah. things, you know, in a very precise way. And I check to make sure I'm not going in the wrong direction and so on and so forth. But in approaching the text openly and hard, open heartedly and honestly, I discovered what I discovered. Uh, it's just in many ways, it's as simple as that. Of course, it was a great surprise to me to discover that the Tao in the Tao Te Ching is repeatedly referred to in feminine terms. Uh, and 
you know, and also as an Episcopal priest, I have seen the progression of how uh, the new translations of the Bible, yes, uh, Old Testament and New Testament, have changed the Episcopal Church anyway. Um, and they're much more open-ended, they're much more accessible. The words used are um, often more feminine, not for Jesus, of course, or God, uh, but often the Holy Spirit is addressed as she now in Christianity. And um, people are now translated as men and women, or they as opposed to men. I mean, these things made a tremendous difference. And I watched that progression because I was ordained in 1987. And so as I was translating, uh, the way the text changed me was that I, I think the simplest way of putting it is I became kinder. I became kinder. It's just, uh, I just noticed it. I mean, I had a lot of mystical insights and esoteric insights. Also, along the way, I mean, that's kind of normal, at least for me, uh, uh, over time. But I would say the, the result was that I became kinder. I, uh, I'm just more open to all possibilities, what anybody has to say, um, more receptive, uh, more tender. I'm, I'm much more like uh, a mother, even though I'm not technically, biologically a mother. Um, it's, um, it was a transformative experience. And um, I also became a poet in the context of translating the poem. So I would have never expected that. Uh, I come from a family with musical background. Um, my father was um, an amateur, but um, operatic baritone. So I heard him sing all the time. I'm used to hearing music and very good music. Uh, and so when I was translating, I became a poet, and that changed me profoundly. It'll probably alter the rest of my professional life uh, as well. The reason I ask that, that question is because I realize, and this is really what I want to jump to next, what I realize is every day I do this and do what I do and then also work with the, the many hosts on our network, you know, it doesn't matter what walk of life, I feel changed as well. There's something in honoring and walking that path. But this new translation had mm -hmm. to have a vibrational, in my opinion, had to have a vibrational effect. That's why I asked you that question. Um, can, I, can I ask you, did you have any like ahas? Like, did you do, let, let's just say you went through and you, you started to translate something, right? And you went through and you said, oh, does that really mean that? <laughs> does that poem really say that right. that way? Did you have, I'm sure you had a million of them, but do you remember? Yeah. Yeah, yeah probably the, the poem that was most influential was poem number six, which I will read to you. Um, Please. And the audience. Uh, poem number six was... Um, kind of the breakthrough moment um, the second time around. You know, the first time around I in the translation process, I was just getting grounded in the process. But the second time I went through the poems, 
when I encountered poem number six, it was an aha moment. I said, wait a minute, something, <laughs> something has been missed in the various English translations that I've read at least over the, over the years. So poem six, and I'll read it twice so people can take it in. The immortal void is called the dark womb, the dark womb's gate. From her, creation takes root, an unbroken gossamer that prevails without effort. And again, the immortal void is called the dark womb, the dark womb's gate. From her, creation takes root, an unbroken gossamer that prevails without effort. Mm. I want to take a short break, and when we come back, there's so much, you know, this is what I love about these conversations, and I love about what you've done. You take six lines, and the meaning in each is so profoundly deep. When we come back, I want to talk about the shift for you that this particular poem had. And then there are some others in here, of course. There are a couple that there are a couple that I looked at and I just, okay, I've got to ask Dr. Anderson about that. <laughs> we're going to take a short break, everybody. When we come back, we're also taking your questions, 1-800-930-2819. And I do have a question that came in from our little instant messaging, and I will get that on air. Dr. Rosemary Anderson will be right back. When you lose a child, you find yourself part of a club that you never chose to join. There is a way to find meaning and joy in your life again. Jen Ripa has created a six-week sacred grief system, helping you let go of grief, heal with compassion, and understand what's available to you in the rest of your life. It can feel scary acknowledging that a part of you wants to move forward because you're not sure how to do it in a way that honors your child. The good news is that when you allow yourself to address your grief in a multi-sensory way, you can transition from sadness, regret, and hopelessness into a life that gives you peace, joy, and meaning. Jennifer understands with deep compassion how you're feeling because she's been there. For more information about the Sacred Grief Course, visit thriveology.com. That's T-H-R-I-V-O-L-O-G-I-E dot com. Caring for someone with a life-altering diagnosis? You are a care hero. Navigating the unfamiliar options can be overwhelming, but you are not alone. Tune in to A Cup of Comfort with me, Trish Lau, twice monthly on Transformation Talk Radio. Let me guide you through your care hero journey by providing actionable information on how to care for a loved one in need. For more information about me, visit trishlaub.com. That's trishlaub, L-A-U-B as in boy, dot com. Did you know that when we talk about the Earth's ecosystems, the most important ecosystem has been left out? You, we created the ecosystem approach to recapture human potential. Find us at theecosystemapproach.org. Join us every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time for the Ecosystem Approach Show with Jason and Patricia on TransformationTalkRadio.com. 
how to lead a happier life on Miles to Go with Brittany Miles. How to lose to gain it all. Join Brittany every second and fourth Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Listen as coach and healer Brittany Miles shares stories that teach you about surrender. For more information about Brittany, MilesToGoCoaching.com. Are you ready to shift your life into overdrive and stop wasting your time? If so, then I want to invite you right now to the Body Regeneration Online Academy with me, Tracy L. In a world filled with so much information, you can get overloaded and confused, left feeling like you've tried everything and still no results. If this is you, then this platform is for you to help you step into your power, your intuition, and gain clarity. You will learn simple tools that you can use as you walk down the street, and I will teach you how to grow a stronger connection to the God consciousness. Imagine having me as your coach, shifting you, uplifting you, empowering you every week, and most of all, helping you stay connected so you can navigate your life's journey with ease and grace. Nothing will be able to get in your way. Plus, you will have a community filled with souls just like you to pick you up when you fall down and support you on your wins. No one can go this journey alone. If you are ready for your live activations, check me out at tracylclark.com and join the TLC Body Regeneration Online Academy now. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. Thank you for tuning us in, turning us on. This is the Dr. Pat Show. I'm Dr. Pat. For more information about us, go to the go to the Transformation Network or TransformationTalkRadio.com or the DrPatShow.com. For more information about my very special guest today, Dr. Rosemarie Anderson, again, please remind people how they can find out more about you, but also how they can get their copy of the book. You can go to my website, rosemarieanderson.com, and the book, The Divine Feminine Tao Te Ching, uh, is available on Amazon and at the publisher, Inner Traditions. So we're talking about 5,000 years, and at least. And you go through this book, at least when I went through it, and all I kept, poem after poem, I kept thinking... This is, these are powerful, powerful messages for our time, you you know, and I went through it and I was telling you that I was struck by a a couple of the poems and you talked to me about the fact that the poems 20, 29 and 30 also were related to, um, I think you said number eight, is that correct? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and then I thought, this is timeless. These messages are timeless. But why do you think we are relating more now than ever? And what is it about number eight that really strikes a chord for our time? Thank you. That's a you know, wonderful question. Uh, I think that, uh, the, the, you know, as we all know, human beings are you know, in destroying the planet through climate change and all kinds of things. There's altogether too many wars. Uh, there's racial violence of, of all kinds now. And um, the Tao 
provides an alternative to these things in which one is invited uh, to be a mother to the world. All of us are invited to be a mother to the world by the Tao Te Ching. And I think uh, this is perhaps a game changer in the way we understand um, our relationship to the universe, to the world, to each other, to our communities, and so on and so forth. Uh, there's altogether too much violence and too much force on the world. So poem number eight um, is sort of quintessential in my mind to looking at how the Tao uh, is on the side of the good, which is also something repeatedly uh, emphasized in the Tao Te Ching text. But the Tao emphasizes the good. It doesn't punish the bad, but it helps the good. It promotes the good. And that's um, a very different message than I think that we have gotten from other uh, spiritual contexts, for example. So in poem number eight, uh, the Tao is described as like water. The highest good is like water bringing goodness to all things without struggle. In seeking low places spurned by others, the Tao resembles water. So in this first stanza, we are basically invited to be like water, go to the deepest level of any particular event, circumstance, um, political situation, if you will, and then resolve it like water, carving out canyons and um, mountains. Anything is possible if we act like water. The good is furthered by acting like water, not with force, but by acting like water. Of course, water can be powerful too, but you know, strong and fierce. But water um, goes down to the deepest level in this stanza, and therefore. Um, changes everything uh, over time. And then explicitly in stanza two of this poem, poem eight, the good is described for a variety of circumstances. For a house, the good is the land. For the mind, the good is death. For relationship, the good is kindness. For speech, the good is trustworthiness. In government, the good is peace. In work, the good is skill. In actions, the good is timing. So in each one of these lines, um, you can see that the good is referred to in its essence, at its deepest core. So for a house, it's the land, the good is the land, and the mind is the depth, and relationships is kindness for speech, trustworthiness, in government, peace, in work, skill, and in actions, timing. So for example, um, in government, the good is peace. You know, that's not what we're doing worldwide. We force uh, situations to happen and intervene in ways uh, another poem refers to um, it, at war only be the guest in other words only respond when you are 
violated in some way, but you don't, you don't volunteer, you don't force a war. Um, and in actions, the good is timing. Again, in other words, the timing of this book is amazing. I didn't, I didn't force that. Uh, it just happened, you know, it took two years between the time I signed the contract and the book to come out, for example. So it's, it, it just happened. Yeah. Fortunate. And that's what I'm really struck by because, you know, I think when books come out and we start to talk about them and read from them, you know, it's almost as if yesterday the book was written and today here it is. But you see, I think books that come to bear, meaning books that are published, that come out to the public, um, they come out in the time that a publisher doesn't always predict. The author clearly doesn't predict it but they come out when we're ready to hear a message, when there's something about where we are in our lives that just strikes a chord more with us now than ever before. Um, and I think it is, to me, when I think about this, I, I, I've got to get the question that one of our, our listeners asked. And the question is, is there any one of the poems that perhaps changed meaning or changed in a meaningful way based on your translation? Uh -huh. That's a um, great question too. Yeah, that is a good question. Um, um, I think it's more the emphasis. I, I, I would not uh, criticize any of the translators that I mm -hmm. have read of this right. poem as, as uh, as incorrect or wrongly interpreting uh, a poem. Uh, no, uh, their emphasis is different, their pers perspective is different. And there are so many differences between Chinese and English. Oh, yeah. That, I mean, it's that a translator has to interpret. For instance, the, the issue that we're talking about, gender, uh, in ancient Chinese, there are not uh, pronouns. There are no pronouns in ancient Chinese. So the only way an English translator can um, translate a pronoun is in terms of the context of the poem. So that just, I'm not saying that the other translators are wrong. Right. They, just have, they, they just saw different things um, and um, had a different understanding. Uh, timing is, is a, you know, it's very important, but I wouldn't say that um, any one of my poems is um, radically different in the sense that I, I've discovered something that nobody else ever said. No, not at all. And, you know, and the reason that I, I think that that question comes up is because time changes, we change. You know, we are still human beings, but we're not the human being we were 5,000 years ago, so to speak. You know, there's so much that changes in our lives and outside influences, things that I can't even fathom. I can't even begin to put my my finger on every minute of every day. You know, there's an innovation. There's something that is happening that is literally going to change our lives in one way or the other. Mm -hmm. um, it's the nature of what we live in right now. And yet, even when you read these poems, as old as they are, right, Um it's critically important to really take them in. There's also, you put something in the back of the book. 
And I want to talk about this too. Uh, you have the translation, but then you have uh, telegraphic right. notes. Talk about that, please. I found that most interesting. I mean, the notes themselves talk about yeah. the notes, why, why I did it. Yeah. Well, other than notes or commentaries, if you will, are often refer to the Chinese characters that uh, have been translated in a different way by me in this context. And I go through the etymology of some of the Chinese characters. Now, these Chinese characters, particularly in this ancient text, were very old. And so uh, they are often composed of, say, two radicals, which are um, abbreviated Chinese characters. And I, I love Chinese etymology. I, I just I devoured books on Chinese etymology over time. And um, so like the character for virgin, for example, in poem number six, which I read, literally the character is composed of two uh, radicals. Um, and one of them means woman or female, and the other means pushing down. So a virgin is a woman pushing downward <laughs> in giving birth. I mean, you know, um, I find this fascinating that Chinese is so inherently poetic, metaphoric. The characters themselves are like stories. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that, to, you know, when I started to go through this again, and I told you that I, I stopped at a couple of uh, different poems in here, uh, and it doesn't matter, probably on another day, I would stop at another place, right? Um, That's right. It, it, I hope so, anyway. <laughs> yes. I, I mean, I, that must be the same for you. But I did want to talk about one in particular here in the time we have left. Um, it's the one on virtue, number 54. And I, I found this really interesting and really had to, and still trying to figure out its meaning. But I wanted to talk with you a little bit about this, um, about virtue. It's such an important word, right? Mm, yeah. And, you know, there's a project about virtue. I mean, it's one of those things that many people talk about, but the message sometimes get lost. I think with this particular poem, can we talk about it and talk about what this means in relationship to human to human? Because this is what I think about. This is about human being to human being. Tell, tell me what your thoughts are on this particular poem. Yeah, this is a very uh, important poem, for sure. Um, uh, and at first I should say that Tao Te Ching, Tao means uh, the path in terms of its literal translation, and Te means virtue. So it's the literal translation of Tao Te Ching is path, virtue, classic book, Ching. And um, so virtue is uh, often thought to be the emphasis of the second half of the Tao Te Ching and um, the nature of the Tao, the first half. But there are many exceptions, but generally speaking. And um, so what this poem, uh, poem number 54, is asking us to do is to cultivate virtue 
in our lives and starting with um, cultivating virtue in ourselves to allow virtue to deepen, cultivating virtue in our families. And then virtue starts overflowing from the family, not just from ourselves, from the family itself. And then to cultivate virtue in the village and then virtue indoors. Um, it becomes established, if you will, in a culture. Cultivate virtue in your country, virtue abounds. So if as a country we um, cultivate virtue, then it spreads everywhere. And cultivate virtue in the world, virtue is everywhere. So it has to do with the expanding nature of virtue as understood in the Tao Te Ching. Hmm. And, you know, this is, there's so many things really to talk about with, with this and with the book, but, you know, there are parts of this that represent, for me, the journey of things. Um, but I want to end on this particular poem. And I, I think I, I picked this one because of what we see happening in the world and what we see happening in this country and what we see happening with people attacking people. And it's number 79. And it's about a great hatred. Um, I'd love for you to talk to this, but also to talk about what the message of this one is. Well, well, you're right on. Uh, poem number 79 is the poem that's shocked me the most, other than poem number six, actually. Mm -hmm. um, this poem kind of knocked me off my feet, if you will, because what we are asked to do in this poem is to take the side of the debtor in every situation. So... What could that possibly mean? I, I started thinking, well, if I took the side of the debtor, would, you know, would I go broke? You know, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The context for this poem is important. Uh, in stanza two, thus the wise grasp the side of the debtor and make no claims on others. The context is in ancient China, the... Um, Resolutions to conflicts were inscribed on a bamboo stick. And then the bamboo stick was broken in half. And then typically the person who had to pay uh, would take the left-hand side, which is the side of the debtor. And um, the uh, person who was receiving payment would take the side of uh, the right side. But what, what is said in this poem is shocking because the wise take the side of the debtor, the left side, no matter what. Now, what do you do with that in contemporary culture? Uh, to assume that um, in every situation I meet every day, I am the one invited, if I'm wise, to take the size of the debtor. And the, the resolution is simply this. When a great hatred is reconciled, usually hatred lingers. How can this be good? 
So the poem is asking us how to resolve things harmoniously. And if we want to resolve things harmoniously, we take the side of the debtor. We assume that at some level, we are the one to make amends. Yes. Yes. And I love that. I love that poem. And it really struck a chord for me because, by the way, that particular message is a core essence of all 12-step programs for addiction. Oh. That message right there. I didn't know that. It, we could have a whole show just on that. <laughs> um, Dr. Anderson, I want to thank you so much for today. And there are so many we could have talked about. Um, there's so much in here and so much in your work. And thank you for recognizing the divine feminine. I think we have to keep doing this um, because I still think we're trying to find our voice. You know, I got a message from somebody this morning that talked to me about equal rights for women. And they were asking me, is it true we don't have equal rights for women in the United States? And I said, yeah, it's actually true at a federal level. And they couldn't believe it. And they went back and they're checking and, you know, they finally emailed me and they said, I just can't believe that. So it's a small thing to some people, but it is about the divine feminine, I think, rising. And the divine feminine doesn't only have to be women, does it? That's right. That's it. Thank you so much for today. Again, please let people know where do they get a copy of this book. Yes, the divine feminine Tao Te Ching is available on Amazon. Just Google or insert my name, excuse me. Um, Rosemary Anderson, and you'll find it. Thank you. Yeah. And Inner Traditions, our friends there, and the many publishing companies we work with, Manzanita, Linda, thank you so much, everybody out there. A lot to think about. This is one of these books where you're going to sit down, you're going to open it up, and you're going to read something, and it's going to be so perfectly for you in that moment. Thank you, uh, Dr. Anderson. Thank you, Benny. Thank you, Jacob. Thank you all for being the best audience on the planet. We'll see you next time. <laughs>